everybody, this is JJ Outlaw. Hi, it's the Outlaw. And we are back with the Gourmet Cooper Podcast. You can find me anytime, JJ Outlaw, on the Twitters, as the kitties say, at JJ Outlaw. <laughs> you can find me also on Instagram at Gourmet Goober. And as we start every show, if you're a regular listener, and why not if you're not, <laughs> um, you will know that I co-host a show every episode with my best friend, my hubby, that dude, the Dark Desperado. I've run out of ways to announce you. <laughs> 2022 rerun. <laughs> 2022 rerun. That's right. Big Daddy, a.k.a. T. Outlaw. How's it going? Uh, it's going quite well. Um, if you are looking for me on social media, and if you are, why? Um, <laughs> you can go to Twitter and look me up at T Outlaw. That would be T O U T L A W. Yes, I can spell. And on Instagram at T Outlaw Josie Wells. Like the movie. Oh, <laughs> yeah. If you want to find us on Facebook, Again, this is the time of the show where I tell people for the umpteenth million time that I actually hate Facebook. So by my own admission, I don't update our Facebook page maybe as much as I should. But if you want to find us, you can find us at the Gourmet Goober blog. And speaking of the Gourmet Goober blog, because we did start out as a blog, <laughs> you can find us online in our place at thegourmetgoober at gmail. Dot com Or no, the gourmetgoober at gmail.com is our email address. <laughs> you can find us online at thegourmetgoober.com. Do you know where you are? You know, some days I'm not really sure. Okay, cool. <laughs> you know, it's just been one of those weeks, you know? <laughs> uh, some days don't know where I'm coming or going. So this is a part of every show where we talk about how's our week? And, Big Daddy, how was your week? How was my week? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Let's see. <laughs> uh, it was actually quite a quiet week. Uh, for the most part, I yeah, was just working my tail off. Uh, just trying new things. Uh, let's see. Working in sports. Uh, nothing outrageous. I mean, you know, baseball, that'd be the MLB is starting up. Uh, so, brand new season for us to get into our Cubs Sox fights. Woohoo! <laughs> and for those of you who aren't regular listeners, Big Daddy and I were a mixed couple, so that I am a White Sox fan, and Big Daddy, for some reason, likes those other guys. Yeah, I believe. Uh, <laughs> I come from the dark side. I go Cubby Blue. <laughs> again, it's your fault that I like the White Sox. We're it's not your going fault. through this again. <laughs> But I can't explain to listeners why you led me to where you say it's the dark side of sports. So you just happened to pick a team right as they will win a World Series like 17 years ago almost. Yeah, that's okay. exactly how it happened. Wow. Look, Big Daddy told me when we first moved to the Chicagoland area, he's like, look, JJ, I know you grew up in Indianapolis, the bastion of basketball, but now that you live in Chicagoland, Things are going to have to change. And one of the first things that have to change is you're going to have to pick a team. So, again, he took me to the Cubs, um, to, you know, in order to watch the Cubs play in Wrigley Field. 
His family is a Cubs fan. His mom is, was a Cubs fan. He bleeds Cubby Blue. I went. It was it was okay. You know, people are kind of fancy dancing and all that good stuff. No, I went to the White Sox stadium, and I immediately found my people. And they won the World Series, so who doesn't go with the winner? So, of course, I chose the White Sox. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, the shine, the whatever the, you know, the saying goes, you know, it only took us 11 years to, you know, figure it out past that point. Yeah, you guys were the last team in the Chicagoland area to bring home a championship. We brought championships home. It just took 108 years to, you know, <laughs> in between to figure it out. He's like, it only took two generations, but that's, that's, yeah, that's nothing little, under there. A <laughs> little more than two generations. You know what? Now that you brought this up, and I don't mean to cut into your week. Oh, um, damn. Well, no, 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 no. I was just thinking just now. Remember where we were when I told you that I was a White Sox fan? We were on Heaven and Seven. Okay. Well, no, we just found out that the legendary Heaven on Seven, which is a legendary Cajun and Creole restaurant um, at the Chicagoland area, run by Jimmy. Everyone knows Jimmy. It's finally closing after how many years in business? Oh, my goodness. I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, they're like a Chicago institution. And unfortunately, they were not recovering from the COVID. So... Wanted to give him a shout out and say thank you for all of the years of just incredible food and monumental moments in our relationship, including the day where I finally revealed to Big Daddy that I was secretly a White Sox fan. You weren't secret about it. <laughs> you can testify to that. And it was so funny because the waitress came by and she heard what I said and she's like, sir, do you need a minute? <laughs> <laughs> Am I gonna have to separate the tables? <laughs> Are we splitting up the checks? No, no. We're just we'll we'll learn to deal with it. See, I should have taken you to Harry Carries and you opened that up. <laughs> then it would have been even more terrifying because Harry Carey was he, always synonymous with the Cubs. Actually it was a a White Sox announcer before he was a Cubs announcer for a longer period of time. Really? I didn't know that. Yes he was. Did he leave for the Sombreros? <laughs> I'm not going to explain the Sombreros, people. Google the Sombreros. Oh, but they were damn good Sombreros. <laughs> Especially with the girls in the bikinis. <laughs> it was right. never just the Sombreros with him. Of no. course it wasn't. <laughs> but nonetheless, yes. Anyway, back to my story. Yes. I really ahead. don't have a story, but yeah, my week was quiet. Uh, yeah, MLB is starting. NBA regular season is now over, and we're about to go into play-in tournament time, whatever that is. I hate the play-in tournament. So is LeBron. I wish they would just go back. Well, LeBron hates it because he's not playing. Yeah. <laughs> Last year, didn't like being in it. Now, doesn't have that problem. No. But anyway. Yeah. So... The play-in tournament isn't very popular? Well, I'm not saying it's not popular. I guess if you're in it, you're just in it. But, I mean, that's, I guess it's just a way, like, you know, not just tank yourself into a, you know, a lower uh, seed in the NBA playoffs. But it's just something, you know, that they came up with. I know, like, uh, different leagues have come up with, you know, different ways to kind of spice things up. I'm just happy they didn't make it like a mid-season tournament, but... 
It is what it is, but yeah, ML, uh, MLB starting, NBA is kind of closing, NHL's got a little time, football is a little ways away, but, you know, oh, no. drafting a few weeks. They have that USFL thing that my dad keeps calling you about every other week. Oh, yeah, that thing. <laughs> Isn't that starting soon? That actually starts this upcoming weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um... Yeah, real entertaining. Uh, we'll see what happens from that. I almost equated with the U.S. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, XFL. You know, the only thing missing is he hate me and the special cheerleaders. Okay. I don't talk about my dad all very often on the show. But I have to say, it is really, really cute how my family, especially my dad, because when he found out that Big Daddy works in sports, he, you were like the point of reference of all things sports that they want to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh God, that's our dog. Doggy producer, what's up? <laughs> Feelings. I guess he wanted to get his sports about, but no. So it's really cute. So you're the one he asked about, um, the CFL, the USFL. So Daddy was really excited, and he would like call. And, is Thomas is is T available? Is Big Daddy can can I talk to him? I, I just have a question about the like Daddy. You can talk to him about other things other than sports. Um, How do you well, feel about being the go to reference for everybody in that regard? I mean, I guess it's nice to be liked. At the same time, I figured if if I didn't have a you know background messing around in sports. I would be useless to your dad. No, 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 that's not true. Remember when you used to work near where um, the Jerry Springer show was shot? Oh, yeah. My dad used to brag about that to people. I'm like, not that he works for this legendary newspaper. No, my dad didn't brag about that. The fact that you could have on any given day seen Jerry Springer potentially on your way to work, my dad thought you were a king. Which amazes me to know him. <laughs> I was like, not not worrying about, you know, Judge Greg Mathis or no. um, Jenny Jones or, no. you know, like, shows I've actually been to, Wendy C. Live or... Not Steve know, Harvey. Not Steve Harvey. But he took over the Jerry Springer phrase. No. The fact that you worked within a stone's throw of the Jerry Springer show at one point was, like... The cream, it, it was a sign that you made it. <laughs> Which, just, like, I met dudes that were on, like, they were, like, who did, you know, were in the movies Transformers. I met Ben Spawn. No, your yeah. dad wants to know about Jerry Springer. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> it's nice to feel wanted specifically for certain things, but Okay. But nonetheless, yes, uh, my week was actually fairly quiet. Um, and, I mean, the only thing I can think of other than, you know, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez getting uh, engaged. Oh, yeah, that's right. That did happen. Yeah, that was, <clears throat> that's fodder. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, the only thing that I guess that got me excited this week was the... Um, soon to be appointment and the confirmation, as we'll say, for new to be Supreme Court Associate Justice. Let me hopefully I get this right. 
Katanji Brown Jackson. Woohoo! Yes, that was really awesome. Is she related to you? <laughs> um, well, I used to tell people that everyone with the last name Jackson is related to me. <laughs> um, however, that was just my excuse to try to get my classmates to think I was related to Michael Jackson and later Janet. But no, I don't think she's a relative. Okay. That said, being able to watch her was absolutely amazing to get just to go through that confirmation and just how she handled that with poise, right? Yeah, it was deeply impressive to me because I guess we can talk about all the tremendous ramifications this has for uh, Miss Brown Jackson. Representation. Representation, you know, just the elite and to be um, for this, you know, this hearing, uh, the confirmation to be presided by the first African-American slash Asian slash Indian uh, Middle Eastern uh, Vice President of the United States of America. But I guess the thing that flustered me was the confirmation hearings and everything that that lady had to go through. Oh, my gosh. I I just I I have to give her credit because she handled that whole thing with such just poise and confidence and just awareness of herself i don't know if you saw when she had that line of questioning from senator ted cruz and at one point she said senator and then she took that like break and i'm like every black woman in the world felt that break (laughs) that pause that pause we know that pause (laughs) we felt that pause in our soul yeah we're like we're with you (laughs) exactly in my mind you know (laughs) I give her great cre- uh, credibility for at least holding her composure together and answering the questions as you know selected by the senators and the judiciary committee, and you know she didn't break, she didn't have any like you know flustered moments, she didn't you know acquiesce and talk about you know her religion or you know whether or not she was a fan of you know alcohol or beer. Uh, but the biggest thing was just, you know, the line of questioning whether or not she deserved it or not. Uh, she handled herself very well. And I guess the thing that definitely helped me was that she handled it with class, with grace, and as a, a good legal member of society should. And I'm very proud of her for that. So we'll see what happens. It was it was a lovely moment when they voted her in. Um, and I think the vote, I was actually surprised. It was like 53 to 47. Yes. So there was no need for a tiebreaker vote. And then everyone applauded because it was just such a monumental historic moment to see for the first time in over 200 years, a black woman nominated and confirmed to the Supreme Court. I was really disappointed when I saw some of those senators walk out. I'm like, even if you don't agree with their ideology, at least appreciate the fact that you're witnessing history. This is something that has never been done before. And, you know, I'm sad that they chose not to be part of the celebration. Let's put it that way. Well, it wasn't a celebration for them. I mean, in my mind, I'm like, you shouldn't want to see their faces when they took the L's. 
Yeah, but it it was a celebration for America because I have to say, um, and I don't know if I shared this on the show. Okay. Um, I know you were there when, um, during inauguration day when Kamala Harris was Kamala. <laughs> what did I say? Kamala? No, Kamala. Sorry. Um, when she was actually um, sworn in. Okay. And I think I shared with you, when I was a kid, I was told by a teacher that I would never see a black woman as a president or the vice president. So the fact that I lived over 40 years later to see that and to see that happen, I was in tears because again, it's hard for people, I imagine, some of the listeners to imagine being in school and not seeing things reflected of you and like the highest levels of government or leadership or corporate, you know, leadership or things like that. You know, when you turn on the TV and or you open a magazine and nothing looks like you, right? Okay. And to be told by a person of authority, like a teacher, this is someone who's supposed to, you know, form your mind and instill confidence in yourself and all of the things that comes with learning. And to be flat out told, oh, you can't do that. And to be able to see that, that was just so powerful. Um, and on the same, same, you know, vein, I've heard classmates of mine who told, oh, well, are you sure you want to go to law school? You think you can get in? There's not many black Supreme Court justices or they're not women in this, many women that is in this position. And to be able to see that happen in real time mm -hmm. and know the power that it'll affect on the next generation, I, I was really moved by that. Okay. I can give you that. I mean, I guess in my mind, and sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. Uh, the only thing I'll say in, with that was that representation, as you said, is extremely important. And the only story I have to that was um, I grew up, uh, I won't say, I guess it was kind of a chocolate city, but, you know, it was deeply, it was deeply, you know, people of my melanin shade uh, that I went to school with. And, you know, growing up as a little kid, I wanted to be, of all things, an astronaut. And I got the chance when I was fairly young to meet, I believe the name of the gentleman is Guyam Buford, who was the first African-American in space. Wow. Um, I want to say he went up in 82. I don't want to mess it up. It might be 8283, but um, he, I met him and was able to shake hands with him uh, when he was at an assembly. And it meant a great deal to me. And it kind of bolstered my want to be an astronaut. Um, I, 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 I kind of idolized it for a while. And then uh, as I got older, math, science, and getting sick with flying. Uh, kind of took that away, but, uh, no, that's neither here nor there. It was just, I'm, I'm just going to say, yeah, representation is hugely important. 
Well, speaking of that, I, I and you know what? I know that we normally don't talk a lot about politics or things like that, but this is something that I, speaking of representation, I think is very sweet. So after she was confirmed, apparently Vice President Harris took two um, letterhead stationery. stationery from her office. Mm-hmm. And she gave one to Cory Booker. And she gave the other one to Senator Raphael Warnock. And she told them both to write a letter to um, someone to commemorate the day. And Raphael Warner, uh, Warnock actually shared the letter that he wrote, which is to his daughter. And when I, I heard it on The View, actually, and when I heard it, I started to cry again because it was just so sweet. And I think it kind of sums up what we were talking about. Okay. So I have the letter here, and he wrote it to his daughter, Chloe. Dear Chloe, today we confirm Katanji Brown Jackson to the United States Supreme Court. And in our nation's history, she is the first Supreme Court justice who looks like you with hair like yours. While we were voting on the floor of the Senate, a friend of mine, the Vice President of the United States, handed me this piece of paper and suggests I write a note to someone um, who's close to mine, someone who comes to mind. By the way, she is the first Vice President who also looks like you. So I wrote this note to say that you can be anything, achieve anything you set your head and heart to do. Love you, Dad. Isn't that sweet? Hold on. I'm a dear man. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of a clump right now. It was, it was, I, I think it just kind of sums up why this is important and why I'm very disappointed that, again, going back to the senators who left, that they chose not to be on the right side of history. Well, they didn't see that representation. Right. But, Chloe, if you happen to listen to this, I hope that you know that your dad is right, that it is an amazing moment, that you can achieve anything you set your head and heart to do. And it's exciting that you, unlike me when I was a little girl, got to see something like that happen and that will forever be a moment in history that no one can take away and we were here to see it yeah we were and to that teacher when i was a kid who told me that i would never see a black or brown vice president or president of the united states watch your mouth you know who you are if you're still around you can suck it (laughs) i told you watch your mouth i said you could suck it i didn't say what they could suck Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm (laughs) so my week after watching that which was an amazing moment you know I was again trying to work on personal projects um, and trying to focus more I think on self-care I'm taking a new approach as we're looking to grow both the Gourmet Goober and Plum Good Media um, so I got started on one particular project in particular that I know if we tease, and I wish I could say more, but it's going to be very, very cool and sort of a great way as we approach, my God, we have been podcasting for three years. 
Yes. I'm still blown away by that. Did it's, we get a cake for this? Don't we always get a cake? Oh, okay, cool. Where's, where's the cake? <laughs> yeah, you know what? You're right. It is close to cake time. <laughs> always like cake. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> not thinking about the cake. But, you know, I have some plans that I can't wait to share with the audience. But I'm, I've taken a new approach and not getting myself overwhelmed with everything that I'm, I have on the burner. Um, so I've been practicing some self-care, doing some reading, um, picking up. I actually downloaded a, a video game uh, on my iPad, which is weird because I normally don't do that. Okay. It, it's not, it's, it's uh, video game is, it's so stupid. It's, it's like a mobile game. You know what it is? It's like that, you, you've seen it promoted a million times on Twitter. It's the one with the fish. And you do the aquarium. No. You've never seen the aquarium game promoted on Twitter? No. I it, don't play games. <laughs> no, it's, it's kind of stupid where Twitter's usually you'll see one of three things. You'll see that game, and I'm sure people are listening, you've probably seen it, where... It's the game where you have to, like, give someone a makeover, which I refuse to take that on principle because that whole idea is you're unworthy to be loved unless you look like a model. That is not true. And I don't want to reinforce that. And the other one is the guy who decides that he wants to redo, like, a house or something. But this one is the one where it's all about an aquarium and everything is built around aquarium activities. And one of them in particular is you get a fish and the fish is valued at like the number five. And you have to work yourself out of this like puzzle. So you can either eat, a f that fish can eat a fish that's valued at four or you see a fish that's valued at nine. And if you choose the wrong one, it'll eat you instead. Now that I think about it, it does sound really violent. It doesn't sound like it would be relaxing at all. And I admit in the beginning, just out of on GP, I would purposely get the fish eaten because I thought the whole thing was stupid. <laughs> it's sort of like when you, you know, you're having a bad day and you play like the earlier versions of Super Mario and you see all the different ways that you could kill kill Mario. You've never done that? No. <laughs> My younger brother used to do that for kicks. It's just he would run Mario off the cliff or something just for, just for kicks and to laugh because it was silly looking. Okay, do we need to have a conversation about you and your family? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I, I found myself playing that game. And, and I've picked up, you know, because Miss Marvel's coming back, so I've picked up a couple of comic books on my um and on my iPad and I noticed that my vision was a little off. Okay. So I went to the eye doctor and the way my vision was off it was kind of blurry when I was bringing things close to me and so on. So I thought okay, all right. Well, cataracts is a common thing, so I just figured this is cataracts and I'm just going to go to the eye doctor, have it confirmed be able to move on, schedule the appointment to have them removed, which kind of sucks because you can only remove them surgically. 
But, you know, cataracts is a pretty common thing that happens as you get older. So I sit in the chair, I introduce myself to the guy, it's a new eye doctor. And as we're going through, I said, so I'm going to have to like schedule the cataract surgery, right? Can you break it down and tell me what goes on? And he goes, cataract surgery? What makes you think you have cataracts? And I was describing the whole thing about how things are kind of blurry and kind of looking and my vision sort of um, changed. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't have cataracts. You're fine. You just need bifocals. I was like, what? <laughs> he said, you, you just need bifocals. You know, once you get that level of correction, your vision's like 2020 again. You can go back to reading and all of that good stuff and it won't bother you. We went back and forth for like 20 minutes because I didn't believe him. <laughs> you didn't believe that she needed no, bifocals. No, I okay. didn't. And he was like, ma'am, all right, so you're willing to tell me that you would rather have surgery for cataracts than bifocals? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, why do you not want bifocals? What's wrong with bifocals? Well, I can't need bifocals. Bifocals are for old people. And she said that. And he looked at me and started cracking up as if to say, you know you're not. A 20-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I am not calling you old, but you are clearly, you are, you're clearly not a Gen X, a, a millennial, right? You know this. Right? And this was a male doctor, right? Yes. Okay, I understand now. <laughs> so finally, he, he, and he was real gentle about it. He's like, well, ma'am, I don't know if you know this. But bifocals are actually pretty common for people over the age of 40. He said that's that's not uncommon. You know, as we get older, our vision changes. And you're going to see that it's something that you have to do. And he's like, it's no big deal. You know, there's even bifocals now that you can get called progressives. So you don't see the line. He said a lot of people wear them. So they're walking around wearing these progressive lenses. You won't even know. So you don't look granny proof. Exactly. But he said, I assure you, you would much rather have the bifocal corrective as opposed to having whole ass surgery on your eyes. I would agree. <laughs> And he even showed me. It was so funny. I guess there's like this new thing that you can get where you don't have to get your eyes dilated. You just put your eyes in and it takes photos of your eyes. And so he showed me like the entire eye, right? He was just like, yeah, see, there's nothing there. You're completely healthy. You just, you're getting older and your vision has changed. And he said sometimes it changed pretty abruptly. That's not uncommon. <laughs> okay. Yay for technology, too. Now I'm jealous because, you know, when I go to the doctor, I get, like, you know, I get dilated, you know, pupils get stretched. I get shots in my ass, painful lasers. I'm like... No, he's just like, yeah, you just need this prescription, and then you're done. Okay. <laughs> I feel... So I, I picked up two pairs of glasses, which... 
they were supposed to take a couple weeks, but I got them both within a week. Um, one pair, which I totally love, it's like black and white polka dots, <laughs> which, how did you describe them? You said they were, they were extra. Yes, they were extra. <laughs> it's like... And I was like, that's perfect. <laughs> you look like a youthful black Joy Behar in the glasses. I love that. I was going for that. Maybe not Joy Behar, but, you know. Nah. Look, if I'm going to wear progressive lenses, they're going to be extra. They are extra. <laughs> and then the other one are a little bit more subdued, so that way... I can wear them if I'm, like, meeting a client or something and not look like a crazy person. There's no stopping that. No. No. <laughs> Gray is correct. But why is it that I did not want to accept the fact that my eyes were... I just couldn't wrap my, my brain around the fact that I needed bifocals. I was like, it must be cataracts, right? No, it's not only is it not cataracts, you don't want it to be cataracts. Yeah, yeah, I actually kind of did, rather than admit that I needed bifocals. Yeah, I, I don't un quite understand, but, I mean, I guess in your thinking, I mean, you hadn't seen the new technology, and you're thinking of, like, you know, those old, like, you know, walk around, like, you know, with the uh, the glasses with the lenses, and I'm sorry, the frames that have the, uh, we call it the little beads that you can hang around your neck. Okay, I didn't think about that, but obviously... And not to make fun of anyone who wears bifocals, because my parents wear bifocals, right? Uh-huh. But, but, you know, I, I guess I've always, it was always synonymous with... Old people. Older people, which, mm -hmm. in and of itself, I don't want to sound ages, but I think the problem I had was, you know how you just kind of don't really realize that you are aging, <laughs> until <laughs> you see certain markers in your life. It's sort of like listening to one day I was driving around and I was like listening to the radio and we have Sirius XM. So I very rarely listen to terrestrial radio, but occasionally I do. Um, and this moment I was running errands for you. I think I was picking up some medication and it was like hitting all the good stuff. I was like, yeah, voice of men. Yeah. Bon Jovi. And then they said it's, the classic rock station. It was like a punch in the gut. I was like, nah, I can be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it it's okay. <laughs> we get it. It's okay, dear. I, I, I'm going to let that be. I've, I've gone all my, you know, my entire adult life making Benson jokes. And well, yeah, we're just going to say that. I stopped doing that once somebody reminded me of how old that reference is. Well, you have been doing that same joke since we were in college, though, to be fair. And it was a good joke. <laughs> Ran that up the flagpole. Then it's I was like, time okay. To move on. <laughs> I was like, damn it. So I had to go from Benson to Jeffrey to, I don't even know who the modern day, you know, like ombudsman, like, you know, ballet dude would be. Well, you know, technically, they've relaunched the French Prince of Bel-Air as Bel-Air on Peacock. So you could technically make a Jeffrey joke, and it would be new again. Hmm? Yeah, but in that show, I, I haven't watched it, but is <laughs> Jeffrey still Jeffrey-like? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> Jeffrey's kind of like his right-hand man in the show. 
So, probably not. But you know what else kind of made me sad? Was the BMF um, <laughs> wallet that I gave you is no longer a reference that people get. Oh, my Samuel Jackson, like, Pulp Fiction. Okay. Can I... I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to share what's what I'm talking about. Should, okay. Is the this something that we should just tell the Google or go ahead? Okay, you can best Google this, and I'm going to put the Google out like this. For, was it my anniversary? Yeah. Okay, for my anniversary, the Goober gave me a wallet. One year. <laughs> yes. And that wallet is almost rep- like exactly the same wallet that... If you've ever watched the movie Pulp Fiction, the character is a Julius. Yeah. Uh, Julius, who is portrayed by Samuel L. Jackson, um, has and when the when the wallet was taken by the thieves, and the you know Sam said all he wanted was his wallet. They said which wallet is it? And he's like, oh, you'll know which one it is. It's the one that says BMF. And trust me, this one says. BMF. You know what? We're adults. Okay. The wallet said bad motherfucker. <laughs> I'm a bad mother. Uh, <laughs> I was going for my Christian spirit and you just took it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but that's I'm what scared. it said. Please forgive me. Okay. Wait a minute. Why am I apologizing? We're adults. It's not like we go full blast on the show. Okay. But I'm hoping I'm not offending anybody because honestly, that's what the wallet said, right? And I thought it was so hilarious that you carried that wallet around with you. And for years, people got the reference until they didn't. And then it became like a source of like hiding it when you're like in a store or something, you have to pull out your wallet. Oh, yeah. There's nothing more fun (laughs) than going up to like, you know, paper stuff with either your cash or your card. And you whip this wallet out and from time to time, depending on who the audience is or the cashier, like having to be cognizant of it and either flip it over to not display what it says or very proudly like slap it down on the side of, you know, a little, you know, cash machine and be like, yeah, now this is what I'm paying with. (laughs) You better recognize. And to see him pay it when he flips it over so people can see it, to see him do that actually is pretty comical because... He was fully into the moment. He always leads into it. But now, not so much. Because people, shockingly enough, a lot of people know of Pulp Fiction, but they don't know of that particular reference. Sad. Sad. <laughs> well, just so you know, I think you happen to be a BMF, so. Yes, I am. So the wallet still applies. That's right. <laughs> I'm also an SML. <laughs> what is that? I'm a sexy. <laughs> that is for a different show. <laughs> All righty then. Hell yeah. <laughs> so on that note, I tell you what, why don't we take a break? <laughs> and when we return, we will talk about three stories that meets our you know, meets the intersection of food and pop culture, shall we say. So you're listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast, and we will be right back.
Hello, I'm Karen. And I'm Emily. And if you, like us, are slightly on the nerdy side and have an interest, fascination or musing for anything historical, then we have the podcast for you. Our podcast, A Nice Cup of History, takes a historical event, place or person and delves into the facts, fictions and myths surrounding it, all whilst enjoying a nice cuppa or sometimes something stronger. Each week, we finish with a special segment we call Ridiculous Deaths, which looks into the absolute bizarre ways some people have died or survived and what we can learn from them, such as why alcohol and sailing should never go hand in hand on a moonlit night and why bridges and butts don't mix. We are listened to globally, which blows our minds. So if you have any suggestions for topics for us to discuss, please let us know. So come join us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and pretty much anywhere you can get your podcasts from and let's let's get get historical. Hey guys, this is JJ Outlaw. And T Outlaw. And we're the co-hosts with the Gourmet Goober podcast with a very important question. Are you a little gourmet or a lot of wretched? <laughs> or maybe you consider yourself gumbo worthy. Hey, if the answer is yes to any of those questions, then you need to tell the world with your very own goober swag. From mugs and aprons to t-shirts and sweatshirts, it's the perfect way to show your love for the Gourmet Goober podcast and, you know, help us keep the lights on in the process. <laughs> so if you are a little bit gourmet and a lot ratchet, head on over to gooperswag.com, that's gooperswag.com, and get your very own Goober gear today. Tell them Big Daddy sent you. That's right. Tell them. Hey everyone, this is JJ Outlaw. And T Outlaw. And we are back with the second segment of the Gourmet Goober podcast called What Eating What's Eating Us. <laughs> Try to say that three times fast. Anyway, this is the part of the show where we introduce three stories that focuses on the intersection of food and pop culture. And today we have a follow-up on the story first off that we actually covered in a previous podcast. Um where we are just touching base with a, I guess what would we call it? Like, I guess he's like a social media chef. He's a social media charlatan. (laughs) Yes, sadly so. Um, And this is a gentleman that is based out of Atlanta now, although he did have ties to Chicago and other places. Um, Known, his real name is Darius Williams. But he's probably known as Darius Crook, um, Darius Cooks. If uh, he's... <laughs> you had it right the first time. I did have it right. Um, Darius Cooks, you may see him under that um, name both on Instagram and um, I know he has like a TikTok page and things like that. Um, going back to the Darius Crooks, that's probably the hashtag that you probably seen him under. So in a previous episode... We had shared um, the story that was first introduced by Sonny Anderson. And if that name sounds familiar, Sonny Anderson is of the Food Network. She used to have her own show, Um, Sonny For Real. Now she's on The Kitchen. She's been like a guest judge on various food-related programming, again, on the Food Network. And then The Kitchenista which if you don't follow her on social media, which sadly she's not on Twitter for reasons that I'll share in a moment, but she does have a presence on Instagram. She's a really great chef. I've, I've used her recipes more than once and it's really, 
delicious. But they brought attention late last summer to the fact that this gentleman had a habit of defrauding a lot of individuals, including black women and black women food influencers for his own gain. Um, and whenever he's criticized or someone brought up the various ways that unfortunately he's taken advantage of his large platform, um, again, to monetarily defraud individuals, he's taken to do what's known as doxing, which means that he will target his critics online and he will reveal and post personal information of his critics. This has been kind of an underground thing, particularly on, along Black Twitter and then people who have followed his story um, and historically marginalized areas of the internet that um, have a place in foodie culture. But as of last week, it actually got attention from a Fox 5 Atlanta expose um, where basically there's a reporter um, where the tied to the Fox team, Fox 5 investigation team who actually sent a reporter to his house. And now he's being publicly outed for his longtime habit of doxing people on the Internet. So basically, the doxer got doxed. Yes, the doxer got doxed. So just to recap, this is someone who once owned two Atlanta restaurants that he closed in January 2020. Um, he has he sells cookbooks, cookware. He has um, cooking videos. Um, his Facebook page alone has 1.5 million followers. So he has a lot of people tied to him. Um, but the company that he works under has a F rating um, with people saying that products he's ordered, he sold everything from pound cakes where there's been complaints that either the pound cakes that people order online either didn't arrive or unfortunately come in less than sanitary condition with like mold and open packaging and things like that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, he's also been noted on websites such as Mashed and things like that, where basically he sold skillets um, under his brand name. And what happened was people were ordering his skillets and weren't getting them. So how exactly do you order pound cake one and or skillets not receive them, and you still be in business. Well, he has a pretty sizable following. Um, Whether or not you have a following, I'm like, <laughs> you order a pound cake. That's like ordering a pay pie and not getting a pay pie. Oh, child. And being like, yes, um, that that would cause pie? people to fight. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's like ordering from Paula Dean and not getting like a Paula Dean, like you know, dessert. Uh, you know that something's gonna come. I don't care if it's just a. A big old stick of butter. Something should be arriving at my place. Otherwise, I will find you. I will hunt you down. Well, you would think that there were, there would be a lot of people who would support these complaints. But as we've seen with other so, um, social media influencers with large followings, unfortunately, people, for whatever reason, feel invested in that individual's success, even if it's by taking advantage of someone else. 
Um, in this case, for example, the skillets, this was actually something that was brought to light um, again by Sonny Anderson, who actually at one time had him on her show. When okay. she had the Sunny for real, she decided to use her very large, sizable platform on the Food Network in order to bring attention to another black chef. What happened was people who were placing orders for pound cakes, for skillets, who decided to pay maybe for one of his dinners but wasn't able to get access to it, they started calling, contacting Sunny to get to him because he would stop following up with them. Right. Okay. And so Sonny's like, dude, I know nothing about any of this. Um, and come to find out, there was just a laundry list of discans and lawsuits and bankruptcies that was tied to Darius. You can actually find all of it online if you look hashtag Darius Crooks. Um, Sonny Anderson meticulously like broke down everything that was tied to this gentleman, including at one point, believe it or not, outside of his foodie empire that he was building, he actually had like this credit repair business that oh, also no. went out of business. Oh God. That he defrauded some individuals. They were looking for him for help to take care of that. In addition, there are multiple allegations, not only that his products were unshipped, but he didn't pay, um, bills, um, not only to individuals that are tied to the manufacturing of it, but to the staff of his restaurants that have since closed. So all of this came to light when they did this investigation. You can find it online. In fact, I'll put the link to it. Um, the It actually, I believe, aired on April the 4th. And the reporter is a gentleman by the name of Randy Travis, who's had a long history of investigative reporting through Atlanta. So this is not like a fly, fly by night individual. Okay. And during this time, he actually showcased a woman um, and a couple under the name of Holland. Um, so it's Danielle and Don Holland. So what happened was she noticed some time ago that there was some consumer complaints about Williams and she just reposted it on Twitter. What he then did, and this is shocking, he actually went online, did like a live report on Instagram, I think, talking about what happened. He actually posted on her Twitter page pictures of not only of her, but her husband and her children. Oh. Yeah. Okay, so basically he was asking for a fight. So they were shocked. They shut down all their social media accounts. Yeah. They filed a police report. They actually sent authorities clips of his videos where he openly bragged of, hey, I got your picture. I'm posting your children. I'm posting everything. And just the fact that he would put her kids' pictures on Instagram and on Twitter, that... That is horrifying. So the I team showed up um, and said, yo, what's going on with your doxing practices? He declined comment. He shut the door. He was actually doing one of his Darius Eat with Darius events or whatever they call it, where basically he charges up to $289 a plate 
and people will come and meet him in various places around the country for a chance for him to cook with him. I'm shocked he show up. First of all, I have seen some of his videos. At one point, he was cooking and he had like a medical bag that was attached to him that was open and exposed. Oh my God. Oh. Not to mention he made this one thing where he put like a ton of just salt in it. So quite frankly, I personally would probably not choose for him to cook for me. But again, he's very popular and people are willing to do that. And so they actually came up with the camera and just wanted to have a conversation with them. And he was not down with that. But I can tell you, and one of the things that I find shocking, and this goes back to what you're saying before about how people can support them. According to him, he actually gets some of the information from his fans. So he said, I can tell you who moved from state to state. He's posted credit information. Yeah, it's quite shocking how far he's gone um, to silence his critics. So basically, he's become, he's a better troll than he is a cook. Sadly so. Okay. Yeah, if I'm the husband of the lady he docks, especially with, you know, him threatening not only the lifestyle of, you know, my wife and kids, yeah. I would be waiting for him outside at one of his events. Not only would the door, you know, get open, well, something else would get opened up too. Now, for her part, Sunny Anderson said that she felt really bad about giving him a place on the platform. She actually told the Fox 5 I team, you know, I feel so bad. I really do. I want people to know I, I have nothing to do with him. Okay. Um, about that illegal credit business, by the way, um, that was actually shut down in 2019. So it's fairly recent. Um, and it was shut down by the state of Georgia where he was charge and agreed to pay a fine of $145,750 in penalties and restitution. And then a few months later after that, the restaurants that I told you about in Atlanta called Greens and Gravy, he had shut that down as well. But the thing is that's so disturbing is that he's hurting real people by putting that information on, putting them and particularly the children at risk for nothing more than calling attention to the fact that, unfortunately, people are not getting what's promised from his services. Which is a shame at the same time. I mean, with this long laundry list, it's like a laundromat now. Basically, he can go from being a cook to a real housewife of Atlanta. (laughs) No, you did not go there. Hey, I got cold (laughs) like I see it. So... This is a real um, situation of buyer beware if you do happen to purchase materials from him because he's still selling it online. Um, I will post the link to the story on our show notes so you can see for yourself. And again, for the people who have been defrauded and the people who unfortunately have been doxxed, my heart goes out to them because that's got to be a scary thing. It is. So... Let's take a breather and move from that to Statesville story to our second story, which is a little bit more comical, sadly (laughs) enough. And it's one that we've talked about at length over the past week. So we knew that we had to talk about it on on the podcast. And that is Paula Patton's fried chicken. (laughs) Okay. 
Let me start with a disclaimer because the goober and I had a lengthy conversation about how we wanted to proceed with this. And under no circumstances are we trying to say anything negative about the actress. No. Her family. No. Or anybody involved. She's, I'm, I'm sure, a tremendous lady. We love her to death. <laughs> She's very talented. At the same time, we got to work on her chicken game a little bit. Paula, if you're listening, and I hope you do, this 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 conversation that Big Daddy and Nevada have is all about love. And yes. if you don't know who Paula Patton is, she is an actress. She's been in the acting game for a very long time. You may have known her from movies such as Hitch or Mission Impossible. Um, at one time, she you may have known because she was married to singer Robin Thicke, yes. and he inspired. She inspired an album that he had called Paula. Yes. Um, uh, she was in Just Right. Oh yeah, that's right. She was in Just Right. I love Just Right with Queen Latifah and Common. Yes. Yes. Um, one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, yeah, she was in that. Yeah, there are a couple movies with Denzel Washington. Yes. So Paula has been in the game for a while. And again, like Big Daddy said, she seemed like a lovely woman. This is more or less um, an intervention of love about her chicken. Yeah, it's more about <laughs> like, you know, when mommy just says that she's going to make chicken for the for the family and or like, you know, friends. And uh, when you put yourself out there, uh, you get scrutinized for random things. So here's what happened. Paula is basically, um, or Paula basically decided to share a recipe that's from her mom. And she said it's her mom's favorite recipe. Um, she shared a clip of her making 138 fried chicken wings. And, well. That's kind of like uh, my family. Uh, that's like my family dinner. Yeah. If you got all my family get for the family reunion, that's a lot of chicken wings, but yeah. So basically, there are two major complaints that people have had about the video. Okay. One, which honestly, Big Daddy and I also talked at length, because we know that there is kind of um, a lot of contest. Uh, it's a contestive topic, rather, about actually, because um, what happened was she posted her video, right? Mm -hmm. And then someone did what's known as a remix where they showed the video and then they showed their reaction to the video. Remix! <laughs> the person who showed the reaction to the video um, and commenters picked up it as well was two key issues. One, about washing the chicken. And this is the part that's contested because people like Julia Chow wash her chicken. Look, we were brought up to wash her chicken. It, you just wash your chicken, okay? It's know. a sedentary thing. But we also know that the CDC also very strongly advocates that you don't do that because it's a way to limit the spread of salmonella. Me, I don't understand how that could be a thing. If you isolate washing the chicken in just one space, you use that bleach after you're done, you wash your hands, you use tongs. There are ways to limit the spread of salmonella. But I can understand how people related to the CDC might be pushing against that. So if you're not as careful, then yeah, I I 
suppose, but for what it's worth, I, I'm the kind of person, and you've seen me do this, I even rinse the top of cans before I open them to yes. prevent dust and contamination getting into food, because I was just taught to do that. So washing is a thing for me. Well, um, and I've definitely seen you do it, and I very much you know, appreciate that. I The few times that I uh, deal with poultry, I mean, I realize that it's yard bird, and I pick my moments when I like, I kind of eyeball it and say, okay, if it's coming out of the package, if I'm not 100% trustful of the package, yeah, there are things I do like wash and I like scrub everything down. But sometimes, yeah, like I go through a hard rinsing process and then I pat dry. So, yeah, I kind of go both ways. So that's just me. Well, in her case, the bigger complaint is what actually happens next, which instead of seizing her flour, Paula uses plain flour. She doesn't season the chicken. She doesn't season the flour, but she actually adds the seasoning to the oil. So by putting the seasoning in the oil, it, it sort of leaves it, you know, there's a question of whether or not the chicken itself gets seasoned, right? Right. Or is it something that, you know, the oil itself is seasoned, right? Um, so as you could imagine, some people were rightly confused. And I, I think partially people are in their feelings because... You know, fried chicken is kind of a thing. You know, every family has, like, their own way of making fried chicken. You know, like, for example, the way I do it, I season the chicken. I actually marinate the chicken in seasoned buttermilk. In fact, that's how you know I'm about to make fried chicken when I buy buttermilk. Yes. <laughs> you get all excited. And then I season the flour. And then I put it in the oil. So I've never thought to just season the oil. Um, and to be fair, a lot of people even mention, hey, there are worse, you know, recipe videos that are out there. Okay. Yes, there are. <laughs> we have seen them. Sometimes we talk about, do we talk about this on the mic? Nah, we, we're not going to touch that. <laughs> <laughs> some of them almost scream for it. Yeah, some of them actually almost scream for it. But the point that people are trying to make is... You know, it's a kind of pointless to season the oil. I mean, how does the season stay on the chicken? You know? Right. Now, to be fair, after being roasted online, just without mercy for several days. And from my understanding, this is an older video. So it's not even like a newer one. Right? Paula actually responded um, last week from Mexico where she was vacationing with her kid. And I love this response, kind of. It was in a video. Okay. And she said, hey, I just wanted to respond and say, listen, I get it. You know, peace, love, and fried chicken. It might look crazy, but it's the way that we do it. And my mom and someone had taught me. So, again, it's her mom's recipe. So, basically, you threw your mom under the bus. Yeah, kind of. But she did say in the video that this is her mom's, quote, unquote, famous recipe. So, from the beginning, she admitted that this is where she got it. She's also filming it from, as you said, Mexico. So thus, was she hanging out, with, hanging out with Ted Cruz when she said it? <laughs> that is another thing entirely. Gotcha. Once you know shade. 
No shade. However, you know, she disputed that she didn't wash the chicken well enough. Again, she said it was probably because of the way that the video was edited. But I guess at the time when she was making the video, it was for her son and his schoolmates. Yes. So she said, hey, I absolutely washed the chicken and none of them got salmonella. But that we know of. She also went to say that she does have a new recipe and she's open to suggestions. However, she said she vowed to always make her mom's chicken the way that she did it. We put the season in the oil and all of that. That's just the way we do it. Okay. So my question to you is, one, (laughs) is this something that we were being fair about and criticizing Paula? Because I know the joke is, and let's just be clear, part of this is the joke of the unseasoned food (laughs) and who seasons their food and who doesn't. But even more importantly, this is something that's deeply personal to her. This is something that her mom taught her how to make. And let's face it, we all have recipes that we may disagree on the format of doing. Like I, for example, the chili recipe. Okay. And I think we can share this on the mic. When you and I first moved in together, right before we got married, there was a point where either you made chili or I, no, I think I made chili for you. And it was kind of a shock because how I learned to make chili was, first of all, you put beans in the chili. And my dad always put spaghetti in his chili to kind of stretch it, right? So it was sort of similar to, like, Cincinnati-style chili. That was how he learned and so on and so forth. So chili to me equal beans and spaghetti. And the first time I made it for you... Do you remember your response? I was like, what the hell is this? (laughs) Big Daddy's like, what are you feeding me? And why are you calling this chili? Yes. Come to find out, Big Daddy, the way he taught was taught how to make chili, was your chili never included beans. No, never included beans, never included (laughs) spaghetti, never included um, Anything of the sort, you know, all the different contraptions and things that were tossed into her chili. I'm like, ours was a little bit more Texas style and no beans, a little bit more cumin. And it wasn't there. I don't think there was any sentiment at all. And the thing is, when what made it so funny was the only people I knew who put spaghetti in their chili. And this, it, let's just say it was a cultural thing. And the only other time it ever came up was one time I took um, chili in a thermos to school. And my classmates were confused about it, some of them. And they're like, why did you put spaghetti in your chili? And I came home. <laughs> I'm sorry? I came home and I asked my dad. And at the time, my dad said, well, that's something that when I was a kid, only black people did in order to stretch it. So I always grew up mistakenly with the the idea that it was a cultural thing. So when you said you didn't put spaghetti in your chili, I remember calling my dad and like, do you know that his family doesn't put spaghetti in his chili? And my dad teasingly said, wait, are you sure that he's black? <laughs> and you were laughing like, wait, is your father 
like questioning my blackness over spaghetti and chili. Yeah, I have. You took that personally. There are a lot of things throughout these episodes that you're going to find that that may, like, you know, I may lose my card over, you know, especially like I do not eat mac and cheese whatsoever. Yes, but my parents also had a question about that or the greens when the first time they cook for you and they're like, what does he eat? (laughs) Exactly. He doesn't eat greens. He doesn't eat mac and cheese. Um. Tell me more about his family again. Yeah, there are some, there are things in my that my mother my mother has recipes for certain things that are, you know, some of them are very they are all seasoned. Some of them are seasoned well. Some of them not so much. But you know, like your mama has a recipe. Do you remember your mama's recipe? That's what you work with. And yeah, I really admit, right behind me, not even four feet away, there's a. A shelf full of cookbooks. A shelf full of books, cookbooks, as you will. Most of them are the goobers. I'm willing to say that I've, I've gone through some of them and taken recipes and added things. I call them hacks uh, to some of these recipes to kind of make them more like, you know, flavorful for me. But yeah, I don't, getting back to the top, getting here. Uh, I mean, I ain't knocking anybody's hustle because like I said, my mama made, you know, some pretty, you know, mean uh, dishes. And, yes, some of them were cool. Some of them were a little less than flavorful. You know, but at the same time, we get it. But, yeah, when you talk about people and they fried chicken, you you basically open yourself up. Especially, I mean, however you make it is you make it. But, you know, when you put yourself out there publicly, you will get scrutinized. I will say that. Well, here's the thing. Uh, do I think she kind of invited the criticism? Well, yes. But to be fair, you invite criticism nowadays anytime that you post like food preparation online, right? Yes. Um, my f- favorite example of this, and I wish I remember the gentleman's name, and it becomes an issue every Thanksgiving. There is a reporter um, that... <laughs> Several years ago on Thanksgiving, he was really proud of whatever he did. And he posted an image of the Thanksgiving turkey in the oven before he closed the door. And he said, turkey in the oven, done. And I'm sure he just thought he was like the Mac of all Macs for getting the turkey in the oven so that, you know, Thanksgiving dinner will be in a reasonable time. But then he got mercilessly trolled. Because there's there was not one spot of seasoning anywhere on that turkey, <laughs> and people are like, "Really, really, you bragging about that?" <laughs> so yes, we all had a good laugh. And let's face it, Black Twitter is notorious for we coming together because no matter what, we're we're going to have a good laugh about a lot of stuff. That that's just the culture, right? <laughs> it is what it is, but. And like you said, chicken is one of those items that, again, you know, if you mess it up, the culture is going to come get you. <laughs> but I can also see her side of it, too. And, and and to her credit, she took it in a really great way because of the fact this is how her mother made the chicken. And we're always really partial to making food the way that we were taught. Yes. 
so going back to the chili story, do I add spaghetti to my chili? Now, not all the time. I do compromise. I do keep beans in my chili, despite what you said. And you learn to eat beans in the chili because there's some things that are just weird. But yeah, just had to open my mind. But yeah, I can see her response to it. That said, some of the responses to her seasoning the, the <laughs> seasoning the chicken was spot on and freaking hilarious. So I would advise you to go on Twitter, look it up for yourself. Some of them are just classic. Shout out to the woman who remixed the video because that gave me life. This <laughs> week, it should have just laughing my ass off. Um, Paula, I would be interested in seeing you post your new recipe. And just from one home cook to another, not criticizing your mom at all. Apparently seasoning the oil works for you guys. But maybe if you add a little seasoning to the flour, it will totally change your life. Yeah, there are a lot of hacks you could, you know, do, but I understand, you know, no one is allowed to make fun of your mama bird. <laughs> exactly. exactly, exactly, your mama's bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your mama bird. Your mama bird. Don't make fun of my mama bird. <laughs> Thank you, Martin Lawrence, for that classic line. <laughs> yeah, especially good yard bird. <laughs> so speaking of yard bird, let's wrap up this segment by talking about Crispy fried chicken. Crispy fried chicken. And how it can actually help you decorate. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's get it in. So, did you know that McDonald's is actually teaming up with an artist off a of TikTok um, that goes by the um, handle Happy Rugs to design a limited edition rug collection that you can actually buy? Shape. Like McDonald's crispy fried chicken sandwiches. No. <laughs> so if you've ever had the desire to have somewhere in your house your own very your very own rug shaped like a McDonald's crispy chicken sandwich, complete with the bun, mayo, pickles, tomato, you name it. There is an artist by the name of Madeline Rosini. She goes by, like I said before, they handle happy rugs. You can actually see her on TikTok. So she actually makes rugs shaped like everywhere, everything from boba tea to basketball shoes. I mean, she's really popular. She has over 600,000 followers. And according to this article on food and wine, um, she decided to put this online. She's became well-known for her creations okay. and as a way to promote their sandwiches, I guess McDonald's is actually partnering with her. She should start working for Popeye's. <laughs> exactly. Those, those rugs would have been lit. Let me tell you. <laughs> Even though if you were work for Popeye's, you have had a lot more crunchier rugs, <laughs> the smoother, like, you know, a little more flat McDonald's. Uh, yeah. So, the result is a trio of rugs that have been inspired by their sandwiches. So you can get a rug that it looks like their McDonald's basic crispy chicken sandwich, their spicy crispy chicken sandwich, which adds spicy pepper sauce, and not to be outdone, their spicy deluxe crispy chicken sandwich. I know, say that five times fast. That includes pepper sauce, lettuce, and tomato. Wait. 
And this is on the rug. This is on the actual rug. How you tell the difference? Oh, well, here you go. I have a picture up. So okay. you can actually see the sauce on the rug. <laughs> With the lettuce and tomato. And then just a pickle. And then this, the pickle and the spicy sauce. Each of them shaped with the bun itself. I have questions. <laughs> I figure you would. I'm like, as I'm looking at this, I mean, yeah, it looks well put together. At the same time, I'm like, wouldn't you be like concerned that it looks like a stain on your rug? Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, it looks like a stain. It almost like makes you want to get a chicken sandwich. Well, that's what I was saying. I mean, obviously, at least I hope that's their goal is promoting their sandwiches. Although I got to say, I have never gone into someone's house looking at the rug for the hope of seeing a sandwich. But if you want one of your own, they're being released and, of course, limited batches. They go out every Sunday. You can get them from April 3rd through April 24th. And every week, a selection of rugs will be available at a website called goldenarchesunlimited.com at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And, of course, why supplies last. So each rug costs about $65. Um, and even though they said they are featuring rugs designed by Ronzoni, they may actually feature rugs by other artists as well. Now, we all know that in the hashtag chicken wars, there's no such thing as, like, being unfair so in the hashtag chicken wars they've had everything from um i know popeyes made their chicken into ugly chicken sandwich themed christmas sweaters yes um the brand also duct taped a chicken sandwich to the wall at the miami art um basil and so yeah it's just one more peg in the chicken wars where you yourself can <laughs> be think outside the box. So my question to you is, is this something that you would buy? Where would we put said rug? <laughs> and if not the rug, what other fast food item would you like to have a rug made out of? Like for me personally, I think the perfect rug or it would be a not so much a rug. We can maybe do it as a runner would be a Chicago dog. A Chicago, like, yeah. with all the fixings. With all the fixings. I think that would be a really classic. Maybe it could be like a welcome mat or something. Come on, you know that'd be great. Well, obviously, if it was a <laughs> Chicago dog, the one thing that won't be on it was ketchup. Well, no, of course not. Okay. Ketchup is for children. Shut up. <laughs> Big Daddy puts ketchup on his hot dog. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey I am cultured. <laughs> I am cultured. I'm also a grown-up. That's something you don't do, folks, by the way. Never put ketchup on a hot dog if you're over four. I put barbecue sauce on my hot dogs. It's still fancy ketchup. Shut up. <laughs> so, one, would you want us to have this rug? Like, is that... I'd be afraid our dog would try to eat it. <laughs> our dog will eat it. He might bring some friends over and just come back and be like, what happened to the rug? Rug is half-eaten. Okay. Nothing you can do about it. But yeah, I I don't... Well, I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to drop 65 bones on it. Well, that's and not yeah. too bad for a fancy rug. It's a limited edition. 
I'm sure it is. At the same time, I'm like, okay, so that leads to the second question. If I buy this, where am I putting it? Am I putting it in the kitchen? Am I putting it in, like, you know, like the dining room or the man cave? Am I putting it in the in the pet's room? I was thinking the bathroom, actually, from the size of the rug. It's not very big. In the bathroom? I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> but no, obviously inappropriate. Yeah. It's, I mean, I guess... <laughs> I mean, it's like putting the man cave. Do you put it in the garage? No, you wouldn't put that in the garage. Again, you're paying $65 for a work of art. This just happens to be a rug. Hey, <laughs> I'm slow. Trust me. Shaped like a sandwich. <laughs> I'm like, you know, if you have a garage, I'm like, yeah, you'll put, I will put anything out there. I will put like a Monet. I'll put a Rembrandt painting out in the garage if it left to my own devices. And that's why you're not allowed to decorate. <laughs> Yes, I am definitely not my sister. <laughs> we would have a Basquiat out there if it was up to you. Yeah. So if not Just a squid too. <laughs> so if not a chicken sandwich, what would your rug be? What would my rug be? A chopped cheese. Ooh, that would be cool. That would be you. Uh, I you know that's a good question. I you know what mine would probably be a whole bunch of pulled pork. Not so much a sandwich, just a whole rug with a like a big plate of pulled pork. <laughs> so you would just have a pile of pulled pork be your rug? Yes. Think of I, the texture. I'm disappointed. I was thinking you were going to do like a Philly cheesesteak with the Popeye's chicken torn and added in. Oh, oh that that was once again just make me hungry. <laughs> but yeah, and a plate of pulled pork wouldn't. You make it may, but I'm, I'm thinking of the color and the texture. I see. I'm thinking like an artiste. <laughs> You're thinking of an artiste. Okay. Yes, that's right. With the fingers, like the little, with the little pinch. You, you, you should see him now. He's like totally acting out with his, his yeah, finger. finger up with the lemon twist. With the, <laughs> with his pinky off. <laughs> that's right. Handle your business. That's right. With the little lemon twist. I would like my pork. I would like my pulled pork. So what? So what fast food restaurant would you, if it's a pulled pork one, what would you? I have to find a. Because the only one I can think of is Arby's, and you know you don't want to go with Arby's. Oh hell no! (laughs) No, 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 no! I have to find a restaurant that would be you know up to my standards. (laughs) Because I do have standards. Well, whoever that may be, I, I. I, I think I, I look. I, I think the next one should be the Chicago dog. I mean, just think of all the different colors that would be blended together. I think it would work. I think it would have the texture and everything you're looking for. Hey, Max, Maxwell's. If you're listening to me, let's partner up. <laughs> let's do this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now that you brought that up, okay. <laughs> I would like to offer up to McDonald's if you are. Going to uh, put out another rug. Okay. Okay. Can a brother get, because it's always a limited time, can can a brother get a McRib rug? Okay. McRib rug. Come on, hit that. You know what? Tell them. They're missing out. I, I would do the McRib rug. I That's agree. Right. Boom. <laughs> Boom goes dynamite. We just daft over that. <laughs> okay. So, I tell you what. Why we ponder the future of us partnering with McDonald's in order to create the McRib rug. Why don't we take a break 
And then we come back and close out the show as we always do, where we share the best thing we ate this week. So you're listening to the Gourmet Goober podcast, and we will be right back. Hey guys, I'm JJ Outlaw, better known as the Gourmet Goober, and I'm here to share this great new recipe journal from author Gaby Loreno. It's a progressive cooking journal designed for short and simple recipes at the beginning before advancing with spaces for longer recipes as you go. It's colorful, fun, fits easily in the kitchen drawer, and it's perfect for any home cook. Best of all, it has over 100 pages for your most beloved culinary delights. Be sure to get your copy today at Amazon.com. Hey everyone, this is JJ Outlaw. And this is T Outlaw. And we are back with the Gourmet Goober podcast with our final segment of the show where we go over the best thing we ate this week. This is where Big Daddy and I share everything from our favorite recipes that we made at home to our favorite restaurant experiences. As always, we share all the details in the show notes so that you can take part in this, all this good gub. <laughs> and if you have something that you would like to showcase as the best thing that you ate this week for a chance for it to be read on the show, please email us at thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. Again, that's thegourmetgoober at gmail.com. And we will include your contribution. So as always, we start with T Outlaw, um, that dude, the dark desperado. Thank you. <laughs> so Big Daddy, what is your choice for the best thing you ate this week? Well, I may uh, shock the the people listening, but the best thing I ate this week, one, was made by the Goober. Really? Yeah. Okay, uh, this is a shock. It what? was kind of a homemade meal. Uh, I asked her to make uh, some soup one day because we've had a lot of uh, days where we were either eating um, out or we've had a lot of meat and I just kind of randomly said, you know, it was kind of cold. Maybe we should make a little soup, get that out of the way. But um, the thing that the gourmet, the Gruber came back with <clears throat> involved carrots and lentils. Oh, no, there was no lentils. There was oh, leeks. I'm sorry, leeks. Yes. I always get this wrong. <laughs> it's all vegetarian <laughs> crap to me. But, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it was actually leeks and carrots and she put them together in a pot, pureed and stirred and, you know, did her little magic brew. And somehow <laughs> what she came back with was, I don't know if it was a hack, but it was actually extremely good. I ate it for two days and uh, leftovers were almost as good as the, the first day. I was quite impressed. So, wait, so the carrot and leek soup I made was the best thing you ate this week? Yes, Oh my gosh. Okay. That is a surprise. <laughs> it's a surprise for a number of reasons. One, it involves vegetables and Big Daddy is not the biggest fan of veggies. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> and, um, it was something that quite frankly, I love carrot and leek soup, but I've never made it for you in part because it's mostly veggies. Um, yeah. It, and, and I made it totally. 
by um, accident. Well, I planned to make it totally by accident because what had happened was we had been ordering, and I think I talked about this on previous episodes. Um, I know I have because we have over 50 episodes, so I know it's come up at some point. I have taken more to ordering groceries because of my busy schedule with work and other projects. And because of the pandemic, it was just very easy for me to order groceries. And this past week when I ordered groceries, one of the things I asked for was scallions, green onions for a recipe. And instead of scallions, I got two giant leeks. (laughs) Which I was very taken aback because obviously there's a difference between green onions and leeks. Were they nini size? <laughs> very cute. And yes, they were large. So nini's yeah. larger than life. So yes, you can compare the leeks there. Exactly. <laughs> but I don't cook with leeks very often. And I had an overabundance of carrots because I had went to... Um, a local area farmer market to get some carrots for a recipe. And the smallest thing they had was two pounds. So I was already maybe debating whether or not to make some carrot soup because I had ginger and the refrigerator. But when I saw the leaks, I was like, yeah, definitely I'm making some. So I was just going to make it for me until you said you wanted something soup like for dinner. And so I thought, oh, great, I can introduce him to the carrot soup and maybe he'll like it or, you know. So I used the basic recipe. I added some ginger. I shushed it up with um, some better than bouillon and some facetta. Long story short. Oh, and I added some hot honey to it. Yes. And long story short, you really loved it. So to not only know that this was something that you loved, but it turned out to be the best thing that you ate this week. Wow, I'm I'm really happy about that. Yeah, I was quite <laughs> shocked myself because I was like, at, after the first night, I'm like, I ate something without meat. <laughs> I didn't know if my body would like wake me up the next day and be like, Hey, you ate no meat. <laughs> it's like, You're a beef eater. What's, <laughs> or, what, what's going on with you? Like, you know, straight carnivore, and I tried, like, the next night to throw together, like, I tried to add meat, like, I took, crumble up some sausage and, you know, tried to add it to the the scenario, but it honestly didn't need it. It was just kind of there. But, yeah, the soup was actually, I mean, pretty good. I mean, granted, it had chicken broth in it, and, I mean, I tossed some pepper, and you you put Greek yogurt in it, right? Right. The recipe usually calls for either a dollop of creme fraiche, um, Greek yogurt, or sour cream. I had Greek yogurt on hand, um, so I added just a pinch of Greek yogurt to it um, just to kind of hit it up with some tangy flavor. But between that and the hot honey, which really woke up all of the different flavors and hit it with that umami. Yeah. yeah um. I happen to love it. It's one of my favorite um, recipes that I've made to date um, with carrot soup. So I'm really happy that you liked it. Doesn't, you know, change me into a, you know, a vegetarian (laughs) or anything. Oh, no. You still give me problems over meatless Mondays. Yes. (laughs) But the fact that you told me that, one, it was okay that we ate it even though it was a meatless Monday. 
And two, you told me to add it to the rotation. Victory. <laughs> yes. I'm good with that. I'll I'll live with that. So awesome. Well, I tell you what, I will share the recipe on our website, thegourmetgoober.com, which is kind of hilarious because when I added the recipe from the last best thing we ate this week, it was sort of like old times because again, we started off as a food blog and I realized that I haven't been sharing a lot of recipes as of late. Like I haven't shared a recipe in a long time. So I don't know, maybe I should get in the habit of doing that more often since I work from home on from various projects and various people. So the idea of me sharing what I cook, especially now that I have that fabulous kitchen journal, shameless plug <laughs> gotcha. from KP Loreno. Um, yeah, I can maybe do that and maybe um, post more recipes, but I'll definitely post this one. And again, thank you for naming that because we rarely talk about what the best thing we ate this week is before we do the segment because there's that element of surprise on the mic that you've sometimes benefit from if you don't know. So I'm really happy and that that is what you named. Every once in a while, I like to shock and awe you. <laughs> well, that definitely is it. Well, the best thing I ate this week kind of harkens back to something that I talked about at the beginning of the episode. And that is when I went to pick up my glasses. Um, I... I went to um, Vision Works at the local mall. They were one of the places that um, took the insurance that I had. And while I was there, I just decided to, instead of driving back immediately, I stopped off at lunch, believe it or not, at Cooper's Hawk. Okay. Um, I haven't been to Cooper's Hawk. Oh, my gosh. It's been a while. I, I think the last time we were there is we were invited when it first opened um, to meet with the chef. And I think you were working, but I had a chance to go and meet with the chef and take place in the opening activities. So it's been a number of years since I've been in Cooper's Hawk, especially before the pandemic. Um, but they have a really nice lunch schedule. Um, sadly, I got there too late to enjoy the lunch schedule. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that said, um, for my choice, I had a chance to try their pistachio crusted grouper. Um which is one of their many seafood choices that they have available at the Cherivelle Cooper's Hawk. And the reason why I said that is my understanding is it's, although the menus at Cooper's Hawk and they're in various places throughout the United States are mostly uniform, I want to say this, that this may be more of a regional dish. Um, and if you're not familiar with Grouper, it's a, it's a kind of fish, obviously, um, being seafood. I used to really eat a lot of grouper when I lived in Tampa, Florida, in the Tampa Bay area after I got out of grad school, which makes sense, right? Because it's right there on the bay and it's fresh fish taken from them. Um, grouper outside of the Florida area has been largely hard to find, though, it's particularly in the Midwest. So when I had an opportunity to speak with the wonderful woman who um, was my server at Cooper's Hawk. She had recommended the Cooper, um, the grouper rather. Um, we had, you know, started a conversation about the menu and she had been there for a number of years. I think she said nine years altogether, um, with the organization at different spots. And she said that the grouper is 
by far. She doesn't sell a lot of it, but it's kind of like a hidden gem. And I have to agree, it was absolutely amazing. I cannot recommend it enough. Um, it, of course, it's crusted with um, crushed pistachios, which added um, that perfect balance of like earthy nuttiness and saltiness. Okay. On the grouper itself, the grouper was cooked to perfection. It was really, really um, delicious. It was served with. Um... <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> that was my phone, which I thought was don't do not disturb. Yay, phone. <laughs> D&D for the win. Yes, D&D for the win. Sorry, people. I'll try to take that out in post. <laughs> um, but um, it's a matter of. It was had asparagus. It had this really great um, mashed potatoes that came with it. The portions were really well balanced, so you felt you weren't felt like you're just overcome with like, you know how you eat at these restaurants where the portions are monstrous and you never get a chance to finish it all. And you know what I'm saying it. It wasn't too heavy. It was. It was. It was a really perfect plate. Honestly, okay. <laughs> from start to finish. And I also had this Moore's dessert um, while I was there as well um, that she recommended, which I'll put the link to both the grouper and the s'mores dessert. Um, it kind of came in a sort of a creme de relame. I believe it was called a s'mores burdino. Yeah, it was. It was a s'mores burdino. But um, I... It was just really relaxing, and it was one of the things that I hadn't really... I realized while I was eating there, I think part of it was the dining experience I was eating. And, you know, if you go to Cooper's Talk, they're known for their wines. So I was eating in their bin area where they had a number of wines that were available, and the woman that was there, I ate at the bar, and so she had an opportunity to tell me the history of some of the wines. So between the food and the experience, it was by far my favorite dining experience that I've had in quite a long time. And I don't know if that's because it was the first time that I've eaten away from home <laughs> by myself in a long time or she had to get away from me. <laughs> just the grouper itself. But I think everything came together. It I cannot recommend it enough. And yeah, um the pistachio crusted grouper at Cooper Talk. Um Tried if there's one in your area. Okay. And this was in Cherville or Miraville? This was the Miraville one. Okay. Yeah, it's the one that's actually outside the mall, which is crazy. Because of all places that you would put a Cooper's Hawk, I wouldn't imagine outside of the South Lake Mall. But, yeah, it was really an expert dining experience. Did you have any wine with any of these choices? I did not, because as you know, I'm allergic to alcohol, so I did not get a chance to partake. <laughs> but she did give a lot of great um, recommendations. In fact, I probably should have taken it down for anyone um, who's listening. Uh, but yeah, really, really loved it. Okay. So Big Daddy, as you're trying to ignore the cat... Who is now taunting you? <laughs> We're going to have a conversation after we get off the mic. <laughs> I'm sorry. As we are talking, 
One of the one of the pratfalls of recording from home is as we sometimes talk, our pets decide to let us know that they are in fact in charge of our living experiences. And th- today is no exception where I don't know why, but our, the youngest of our two cats just came out as I was describing the grouper. <laughs> and he just started attacking both our legs as if to say, hey, we're here. Yeah, I'm putting this on the. I'm I'm blaming the doggy producer for this because yeah, the doggy producer is supposed to get the cat away. Yeah, his job is partly security, and apparently he's down falling down on his job. He's sleeping. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right, we're gonna see what you 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 about to get one less biscuit or treat today. (laughs) So sorry if I had a distraction a minute ago. I'm watching you, and I'm like, hey, um. We are recording. <laughs> Nonetheless, no, he's over here, like you know, taking a hack in my my pants, <laughs> like trying to do some alterations. I'm like, hey, 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 come on now, I'm, I'm trying to talk. It is hilarious because, like in Man versus Cat, the cat is winning. Yes. See, he did it again. <laughs> and this time, I see like this little paw jumping up and smacking you. Yeah, I'm like, this isn't a scratching <laughs> post. Oh my god. Okay, so much for trying to sound professional. Um, this is our life, folks. <laughs> okay, so anyway, you can find me on social media. <laughs> yes, where can they find you, Big Daddy? And thank you for listening. <laughs> you can find me on social media at T Outlaw T O U T L A W and on Instagram at T Outlaw Josie Wells. What about you, Gourmet Goober? <laughs> you can find me hiding from my cat. <laughs> but what I'm not you can see me tweeting um, on Twitter at JJ Outlaw. I am on Instagram at Gourmet Goober. Um, you can always find us on Facebook at the Gourmet Goober blog because that's where we started off as. You can visit our blog, which includes recipes, show notes, ties to our advertisers, um, and all sorts of good stuff at the Gourmet Goober dot com and we just want to take this opportunity to say thank you for listening um speaking of the gourmetgoober.com be sure to visit us because we have been doing some experimenting with other media outside of the podcast so for example big daddy and i were talking about hosting um twitter space events just to kind of help grow our brand and reach out to some of you on Twitter. I know that we had an unofficial um, Twitter mm-hmm. space event for Moon, Moon Knight, Knight. <laughs> which was a lot of fun. So thank you both of you who joined in with us. It was good. <laughs> um, so we may do some again in the future, especially since I know that um, in future months, there's going to be some other Marvel properties that are coming out. And since we, I'm a goober, I just thought creating content around that would be great. Plus, on the gourmetgoober.com, you can also find ways so you can support us. You can buy our swag. You can, you know, check us out and leave a review. Just a number of ways that you can help us grow um, as we approach our third year and beyond. So for Big Daddy and I, we just want to end the cat who's still molesting Big Daddy. <laughs> We just want to take this opportunity to say thank you so much for listening. 
Um, we'll catch you again in an episode in two weeks. And until next time, happy eating. Happy eating.